Hey everybody, so good to have you joining us today. If you're watching online for the first time or listening to the podcast for the first time, special welcome to you. My name is Jason Wolliver. I'm the directing pastor here at Crossroads Global Methodist Church. So glad that you have joined us today. And so we are continuing in our study of the New Testament letter of 1 John, written around 90 AD by the Apostle John. Today we arrive at chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. If you want to open to your Bible uh, to 1 John 4, I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Hear this reading from God's Word. Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would speak to us through your word today. Pray that your Holy Spirit would come into every person's heart to let us really hear what you're saying and and receive it. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for the word. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I was a kid, most of the time after school and on the weekends, I was hanging out with my buddy named Paul Heckel, my next door neighbor. And we had lots of fun riding bikes and skateboards around the neighborhood, playing with Star Wars figures and GoBots and G.I. Joe figures and building forts in the woods behind our houses. But every once in a while, we would get in a little trouble. And I was thinking this week about one time in particular that I got Paul into trouble. We were drawing with sidewalk chalk on Paul's front porch, and his mother had to run an errand. She checked with my mom next door to make sure that she was going to be home and she could leave us playing outside, and that all worked out. So as Mrs. Heckel got in her car, I could swear that she said to us that if we ran out of room on the porch that we could draw on the house. So she was gone a while. We eventually ran out of space to do chalk drawings on the porch. So we began drawing on the front of the house. It was actually much more fun to draw on the front of the house because they had this hard kind of bumpy, dark wood siding and the chalk showed up so much better on the side of the house. But when Mrs. Heckel got home, Her reaction was not what I expected. Rather than complimenting our very well-displayed artistry, she was very unhappy. She couldn't believe we'd been drawing on the house. What would make us think that was ever okay? Apparently, 
I had misheard Mrs. Heckle's parting words, and she had not said that we could draw on the house. I was immediately sent home, and I think Paul got in pretty bad trouble. That event took place about 40 years ago, but I can still remember it vividly. And I've often wondered, what did I hear Mrs. Heckle say as she was leaving? I've always felt bad for relaying false information to Paul, because although I got reprimanded, he actually took the brunt of it. As we arrive in 1 John chapter 4 today, the Apostle John is once again warning his listeners, his readers, against false teachers which had emerged, which were drawing people away from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He doesn't really say much about the motives of these teachers, but just that they are false prophets. Now, a prophet is someone who claims to be speaking on behalf of God. They claim to have heard something from God, and they want you to accept their authority as God's mouthpieces. And just as I had bad intel when I told Paul that we could draw on the house, John says these false prophets are passing along false information, bad information that is not in line with the truth. And there are three actions which we can draw from this text, which are extremely applicable to Christians living in all times. The first is simply Christian don't believe every religious teacher. He says in verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice that he says, don't believe every spirit. What's up with that? Well, the New Living Translation translates this as saying, don't believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, capital S. What was going on is these false teachers were claiming that they had received their information from the Holy Spirit, even though what they were sharing was contrary to what the apostles had actually received from the Jesus and the Holy Spirit. John does acknowledge, though, that they received their teaching from some spirit. It just wasn't the Spirit of God. These were lying spirits who were from the other side, the dark side. We need to always remember that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And in all of life, there's always more going on behind the scenes than what we can see with our human eyes. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. One of the devil's key strategies is to spread false teaching through the mouths of people who say and may even think that they have heard from God. And John says there are many false prophets who have gone out into the world. Not just one or two, but many. And I think it's safe to say that things have only gotten a bazillion times worse 
since John wrote this. Back then, a false teacher had to actually get FaceTime with you in order to spread their bad teaching to you. This was 1,500 years before the printing press was even invented. Nowadays, every false teacher has every platform they could ever want, and they spread their dark mojo on any number of free platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. They blog and they video blog, and there are platforms that you and I don't even know exist that are being used to spread false teaching. The proliferation of terrible teaching out there today is unfathomable in its scope. A couple of years ago, I saw something that really upset me. Someone I knew posted a TikTok video of an unknown pastor sharing a short teaching which sounded logical, but which was 100% heresy, was completely contrary to the historic teachings of the church in every way. And it wasn't about, and it was about a topic that had grave consequences. And the person sharing this posted it as if this false teacher's video was proof that the position was true. Seeing that post alerted me to the dangers of the time that we are living in. There is such an abundance of people claiming to speak on God's behalf. And if we believe the wrong teacher, who claims to be speaking on God's behalf, the consequences won't just affect us drastically here and now, but they could affect us for all of eternity. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. And we live in a time when imposters are flourishing like never before. Many of them amass thousands of followers and make millions of dollars writing spiritual books and appearing on TV shows. John says, don't believe every person who claims to speak on God's behalf. The second action step is, Test those who claim to speak for God. Test them. He says in verse 1, test the spirits to see whether they're from God. And then John shares two specific tests for sorting out whether these first century prophets were from God or not. And these tests are still working for us today, if we can use them. Test number one is, do these people confess Jesus is the Christ who became fully human. He says in verse two, by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So one of the ideas that these false prophets were circulating came from the heresies of Gnosticism, which were spreading quite dramatically, and they were known specifically as docetism. And the word docetism comes from the Greek word dokin, which means to seem. And the docetists thought that Jesus Christ only seemed to be human, but that he wasn't really a physical flesh and blood human being. 
He was a phantasm. And this came from the Gnostic teaching that spirit is good, but matter is evil. So there's no way that if Jesus is a Christ, they would say that he would become a physical human being. But one of the key bedrock beliefs of Christianity, which you must hold to in order to be a Christ follower, is the incarnation of Christ. The word incarnation comes from the word carne, which means flesh. And incarnation means the enfleshment of Christ. Christians believe that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal Son of God, who took on flesh and dwelt among us. He is fully God and fully man. Thus, he is the only and unique mediator between God and the human race. And this is a great base-level filter even today for determining whether or not we should listen to a certain spiritual teacher or preacher. Do they agree with this bedrock Christian doctrine that Jesus was not just a good teacher, not just a prophet, not just a good example, but the true incarnate Son of God who became flesh and dwelt among us. If you come across any spiritual teacher, no matter how good-looking or wise-sounding they may be, if they don't agree with this basic idea of who Jesus is, don't believe what they say. They're not from God. Now, this doesn't mean that non-Christians won't have good knowledge about non-spiritual matters. Your mechanic doesn't have to be a Christian to know the best way to repair your car. I'm a strong Christian, or I try to be. I know nothing about repairing cars. An atheist mechanic is going to be a lot more helpful to you than I am, right? Your cardiologist doesn't need to be a Christian to give you the best advice about the condition of your most vital organ or even do a, a very significant surgery on your heart. But when it comes to teachings about God, life, and eternity, make sure that the teachers that you're listening to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. The second test for learning whether someone is a false teacher or a true teacher is to ask, do they agree with the writers of Scripture? John says in verses 5 and 6, those teachers are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. How can John the Apostle say with such authority, whoever listens to God listens to us? It's because of the special role that John and the other apostles played in the life and ministry of Jesus, both before and after his earthly ministry. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2 that we Christians are members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. The foundation of Christianity was laid by the apostles of Jesus, who were specially chosen by him. It says in Luke chapter 6, in these days Jesus went out on the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. 
And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. And he asked them, he invited them to come and walk with him, do life with him during his three-year ministry. They dined with him. They slept in wherever he slept. They hung out with him. They feasted with him. They fasted with him. And they heard him preach and teach to large audiences over and over again. And then they digested the contents of those sermons with him privately. He trained them in the spirit-filled ministry of casting out demons and healing the sick. And those 12, except for Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him, were his chosen eyewitnesses of his resurrection, whom he appeared to in person. He appeared to many of them on the first Easter, and they touched him, and they ate with him. And he appeared to Thomas a week later. And then he appeared to Paul at an even later time. And it was these folks that he spent time with after his ascension on planet Earth, after his resurrection, before he ascended to Earth. It says in Acts chapter 2 that after the 3,000 people were baptized on the day of Pentecost, the new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What we know of as the New Testament of the Bible is a collection of the writings of the apostles and those who worked with them. The church has recognized these writings as having apostolic authenticity and authority since the beginning of Christianity. And so anytime we come across a new spiritual teacher or teaching, we need to test it by the plain reading of the New Testament. We need to be like the Jews in Berea, whom Paul encountered on his missionary journey. It says in Acts chapter 17, that they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So if you ever encounter a teacher or teaching which contradicts the scriptures, you will know that teaching is not from God. It is from the world. And the world, empowered by Satan, is continually enlisting authors, teachers, and preachers who will take the Christian faith and tweak it and twist it so that it aligns more fully with the values that the world currently holds. John says, don't listen to these people. By the way, this is one of the reasons why I always encourage people to read books written by people who are already dead. After a person is dead, they can't change their views anymore. Living people, especially famous authors, often change their minds. And then they try to change everyone else's mind. Do not build your faith on the writings of celebrity preachers. Build your faith on the writings of the apostles and those men and women of the faith who lived their lives and stayed faithful all the way to the finish line. We really all need to become familiar with the word of God ourselves. We need to get our own copy of it and mark it up and internalize it so that we know what's in there. So we can't be easily tricked and swayed by heretics, no matter how kind or charismatic, they may be. So John says there's all kinds of these false prophets out there. They're coming at us all the time 
We can't accept everything people say about God. We have to continually test it to see what they say about Jesus. If they're in line with the scriptures, this sounds daunting. This sounds overwhelming. How are we going to survive? The third action item we gain from this text is to remember how strong you are. He says in verse four, these very important words, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So check this out. John says that you and I, who have already put our faith in Jesus Christ as the eternal son of God, that we have already overcome these dark spiritual forces and these false teachers and the evil one himself. How is that so? Well, it's so for a few reasons. First, because when we repented of our sin and accepted Jesus, we were forgiven and we were adopted into God's spiritual family. We became God's little children. And God is fiercely protective of his little children. And we were also filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that lived in Jesus all the days of his lives and protected him for from Satan and sin and deception. That Spirit, that anointing now lives within us. The one who raised Jesus from the dead has raised us from the dead spiritually and is reshaping our hearts and enlightening our minds and helping us to understand the word of God. And Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.7, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. Satan has many intentions against the human race. His first intention is to keep people from believing that God exists. If he can keep people from even believing that God exists, then he's really won most of the battle. Then if people believe in God, his aim is to keep them from accepting Jesus Christ as the son of God and savior. After we become Christians, his intentions are to make us doubt the word of God. So we'll continually flounder and maybe fall away. He sends false teachers our way continually to try to entice us and seduce us off the narrow path. He tries to make us cower, thinking that we're weak, when in fact, we are stronger and we are better equipped than we could ever dream. Friend, John says, we fight from the vantage point of those who have already won. So friend, don't believe every person who claims to speak about God. Test people. What do they say about who Jesus is? And do they agree with the writings of the scripture? And remember, greater is the one who now lives inside of you than the one who is driving the dark forces of this world. And through him, you are more than a conqueror. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the word of God. I thank you for your power that protects us and saves us. Lord, I thank you that you have loved us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven 
filled with his spirit, adopted into his family, and live forever. And now we pray the prayer that he taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us join in professing what Christians have always believed, which we also believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.